hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. It's Jesse gliding into the month. Listen, I know most folks limp into their Monday with a must be a Monday. Not Jesse and I. You won't see us posting any terrible Monday memes on Twitter. Nah, we're running into our Monday. Like Dabo Sweeney in oh, Death Valley. We are coming down the hill ready to go. Matter of time before he, he blows a knee or something coming down that hill. That's too steep of an incline. It's tough down the edge. Yeah, down the hill makes it even tougher. But if you're running behind him, you can't help but be jacked. No. I mean, I agree, but this is like, what this says is just, I am Clemson. This is all about me. Focus on me. Oh, wow. Way out in front of the team. And maybe uh, he's saying, oh, I got to be out in front of the team, whatever, get my run over with. But you know what this is. This is Dabo, Dabo Sweeney being about Dabo Sweeney. Is, is, is he bigger than the program, though? According to how much he makes, yeah. According to how much he makes, how yeah. good they've been yeah. under his watch, <laughs> yes, and how far they fell from the... <laughs> Early, or sorry, mid-80s time of Dabo Sweeney. Uh, to me, I saw the best tweet was when you leave your wedge on the last <laughs> hole. That was the favorite Dude, tweet of mine. That is, that is me. <laughs> that is that, that actually is me, yeah. yeah. When I'm walking it, you know, don't take a cart or whatever. When I'm walking it out, you got to sprint back. But sometimes even when you have the cart and the guy's going the other way, you got to sprint back yeah. anyway. You don't want to miss a shot. I don't play cart without, uh, golf without a cart. I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't. I don't buy that. What? You, I, do, I don't play golf without a cart. Ever? I don't, yeah. I don't want to walk. Why? Exercise. I, I get it. I understand it. I'll get my exercise elsewhere. Fair there enough. I want to enjoy it. You know what? You get tired Fair. by 15, it's over. If you want to have a couple of drinks, you want to shoot the breeze, you don't do that when you're walking. You don't shoot the breeze. You know you're, what? You're yelling across the course, especially as a lefty who sprays it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just yelling at my friends all the time. Well, you didn't play as much golf this summer as you, you would have liked to, right? <laughs> never, so when you're, when you're out there. I haven't since my child right. was born, my so first child I'm, I'm down with that. You got to yeah. take advantage of when you're out there. Make yeah. it the best experience possible. I want to shoot the breeze. I want to yeah. have fun. I don't like. It's not about exercise. Get it somewhere else. All right. Anyways, <laughs> we, we've been distracted. Uh, this might be more shocking than the Thai Cats over the Bombers, but think about it for a second. We have a lot to talk about today. A chaotic week in the National Football League, and former MVP Rich Gannon will be by to talk about it. We've also got the plays of the week coming your way. We've got Blue Jays baseball, and we're talking Blue Jays with the next big Canadian play-by-play voice Ben Shulman will join us in a conversation with Austin Matthews that just might change the worst goal song in all of the NHL Jesse yeah you want to just let it marinate a little bit it is this so on Friday I suggested that this might be the worst goal song in the NHL and then I found a sporting news article from 2020 that said this was the sixth best goal song in the NHL. Now, do you think people actually actually like it? Like, obviously, the sixth best. So in that author's opinion, potentially, like, do you think people actually like the goal song? I, we got a lot of reaction when we posted this on Friday. Does it need to change? Like, non-Leaf fans, Leaf fans, all weighing in on whether or not this is absolute garbage, whether we should just leave it alone, or this is something that they finally need to change. Yes. I actually got a couple responses today. We actually sent it out uh, on Twitter today. 
And uh, obviously, we have Austin Matthews coming up a little bit later in the show. And if you could choose the Leafs goal song, what would it be and why? Scotty says, should be like walk-up music. The goal scorer has a predetermined list of songs to use, and that's what's played when he scores a goal. They had that in the All-Star game. Which... I like it. The All-Star game was pretty forward-thinking. Mm-hmm. Like you had the Manoa microphone. You had this as well. Uh, Richard writes in and says uh, the theme I mean, the song. the NHL All-Star game. Yeah, the NHL All-Star game, yeah. Yeah, we had MLB too. Uh, Richard says the theme song from Benny Hill because, of course, someone <laughs> was going to write that in for sure. <laughs> I love when non-Leaf fans weigh in. Keep so doing good. it, non-Leaf fans. What do you think the Leaf goal song should be? Yeah. Uh, Blue Jays moves, writes in and says, whatever the opposite of Hall & Oates is. It's a wonderful question. What is the opposite of Hall and Oates? Because what is it about Hall and Oates? Is it that is it that it's like folksy? Oates and Hall. Oates and like what is it that people don't like? I mean, the I, I personally, of Hall I don't. And Oates I don't would be like Oates and Hall. Yeah, nice. No, you I, can say no. no, no. You can, yeah. I got it. I got it. Oates for the D. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Trying to convince me that you got it. Sorry, what were you saying? I swear I, I got lost it. all of it. I, I stared into your eyes. It was just <laughs> blank. And then all of a sudden you fire back. Sorry, what did you say? I don't even remember. Right. What, is it, what is it about the song that people don't like? Is it, is it that it's associated? Just no, it's not hockey. Like what? Right. You want, now, in, you want the, rock. in the column that I read, it says it makes you smile every time you hear it. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, but sure. Is that the kind of I reaction think, that you want, though? Don't I you want to be should, jacked and I, amped up when you score? Correct. Correct. Or a sing-along. Something that gets the whole crowd singing the same song, that's what I... I if, if you were to find one that's perfect, I don't care what team it is, mm-hmm. Leafs, Flames. Flames play TNT by ACDC, right? Like, there's other one. The, the Oilers and, and the Canucks kind of go generic, and they just got to, hey, hey, right? Like, that's yeah. part of it. Blurb um, in Ottawa. There, there's a bunch of different ones. Send in what you think it should be. I love it. Or what should be... Or if you like, just think one's really good. It's already yeah. out there. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot. I mean, some of the ones that you just mentioned. Like, anytime the, you ask the crowd to make noise as part of the celebration, like the Rangers, right. I really, really, really like the Rangers one. Right. I really like the Rangers one because it gets yeah. the whole crowd going. The towels are all going together. So, I don't know. If we're going to do it. Make it like a sing-along like that. Heart Trophy winner and changer of the Leafs goal song. Yes. Austin Matthews in about an hour on the show. Uh, please hang around. We get paid to do this. <laughs> and in exchange, we offer edutainment. Today, two hours of it, or at least we hope, starting with first things first. So let's do the deed. Andre Reid. First things first. I love when <laughs> you look at me. You look at me, and you know that I didn't, or you think that I didn't get something. And I just see it in your eyes. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Oates and Hall. Very good. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are off today after taking two or three from the Orioles over the weekend. They were three it's out of the It's not that it was good. It was just that you powered sweep. right through yeah. it. Like, like nothing happened. I know. Uh, the O's got to Jordan Romano yesterday for three runs in the ninth. His first blown save ever at Rogers Center. The Jays Crazy. went five and three in eight games over the last seven days with series wins against both the Rays and the O's, how would you grade the week to me? As it stands, it's a B plus, maybe even an A minus after 11 games in 10 days. I know you only asked the week, but when you consider it was a stretch mm-hmm. of 11 games in 10 days, I think I think I would get to an A minus. But hear me out here. The Jays had two opportunities to go for the jugular. 
Game five against the Rays, they get blown out 11-0. And then I thought yesterday, I thought Sunday against the Orioles, you sweep that and Baltimore is basically done. Mm -hmm. And the Jays let them off the hook in both occasions. Let the Rays off the hook and let the Orioles off the hook. And listen, five and three over eight games in seven days, that's good. And I'm already giving the A+, but I'm kind of sort of conflicted here and maybe you need to talk me off a ledge or maybe talk me further across it. Like, is that the difference between really good and great being able to finish those last two games or is it just baseball? I don't think I'd be willing to take it that far because I think you have been a proponent all season long about taking the highs and lows of a baseball season with a grain of salt. And I just said the stat that Jordan Romano blew a game at the Rogers Center for the first time in 32 tries. Mm -hmm. To expect him to be perfect is not a sustainable thing. So over the course of a baseball season, you will have losses like that. The closer will blow a game. Alec Manoa probably is due for a start that's not a quality start because it seems like every single time he's out there. This wasn't it. No, it wasn't it. He's still no, going. It was another quality start. So I, I just think that over the course of a season, yes, they're playing really good baseball, but sometimes it's not going to break your way that but day. Here's, here's, my, here's my caveat, and here's where I'm aiming, and here's why I think... I've ended the ebbs and flows of a major, a major league baseball season because eventually you're going to play really good teams. Mm -hmm. And eventually you've got to win games like that to close out a series. And if you expect to be, a, like we're, we've moved on here. This is a playoff team. Nope. Right? Like we're, we're no longer on, is this a playoff team? We're at, this is a playoff team unless... They choke and gag on it down the stretch here, and those are games that you need to close out when you close out. Does Jordan Romano have the second-best conversion rate of any Blue Jays closer in history? Absolutely yes. Does he deserve the leeway on a game at home when he's been absolutely perfect at home? Yes. But if you expect to be great, if you expect to contend, if you expect to win a World Series... Those are two games that I feel like you kind of sort of have to have. And listen, I thought John Schneider post-game had something really interesting to say when it came to the Sunday game last night after Romano blew the save. Here it is. Entire series is awesome. I thought we played great. Um, I think it speaks volumes to what we did in the ninth inning against a really good uh, reliever. And, you know, it just shows the mentality of this team. So he's happy with the fight after the blown save where they came a couple of feet away from a game-tying home run from George Springer. And that's where I'll agree. Like, that never saved it, – it felt like the Orioles knew they were fighting for their playoff lives and they came up with something. And the Jays almost, almost provided the response. It's just when you put two of those games in four days like we had against yeah. – the Rays and against the Orioles, it highlights to me, really good team, is this a great mm -hmm. team? And the beauty of playoff baseball is you find out. Yeah, I mean, the reason it's such a good question is because when you look at it on a, on a micro scale for those two games specifically, you're 100% right. And then you zoom out a little bit and they're still 13-5 and five in September. Correct. And it's their best month of the season by a long shot. So it's like, so far. are you looking at it so far, yes, that careful. is an important caveat. Yeah. Um, so it's are you looking at it glass half full, are you looking at it glass half empty, or are you just taking the stats and taking the evidence that is presented well, in I, front of you 
and making an educated decision. I, I think we we already started with an A minus at it half, which is good. Yes, right. Like it's if I gave grade. the yeah, yeah, I gave the A minus. I'm not saying this was a terrible week by any stretch. The A is already there. What I'm saying is the difference between really good and great. And listen, to do it with Springer. Springer again getting hit in the elbow. Yeah. Alejandro Kirk didn't play four straight games. Um, Guriel back to baseball. Like to be 13 and five for half of this month, people were accusing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of not being any good. Um, I don't know if he's found it, but we've seen him find a little bit mm-hmm. of what people wanted to see. A couple of home runs. Home run yesterday was ridiculous. Yeah, so re- strong. Just reaching and <laughs> yeah. just flicking it out of the ballpark is, is ridiculous. There's Springer getting hit on the elbow. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, I think with the double off the wall, he proved that he was a little bit okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that this was a failure. And if anyone's taking that from this, please don't. What I'm suggesting is the difference between really good and great, which you're going to need when you get to that postseason, is right there in the minutia, in the little things, and that's what makes September and playoff baseball so great. Off day today. We got Ben Shulman coming up a little later in the show. Uh, A minus. Were you an A minus student in school? A, a I was a wildly inconsistent. Satisfied uh, with A minus? I was a wildly inconsistent student okay. in school. Yeah. If I liked the teacher and was engaged, I got really good marks. And if I didn't like the teacher, I was not engaged. And I remember I was valedictorian in grade eight. Okay, that's a flex. And we Hold had uh, a second. We had a. Uh, a split class. I did uh, French immersion, yeah. half day French, half oh, day so English. That's why you got, yeah. And I, I told the French uh, teacher that I was valedictorian, and he was like, <laughs> whatever, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he, did not be- he did not believe that I was valedictorian <laughs> very funny. until I had to get the other teacher to come over and tell him. So the French, the French part of it weighed you down? Un petit peu. Un petit peu. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know who's having an A plus season? That would be Aaron Judge. Yeah, that's correct. Went four for five with two home runs and four RBI. Good save. In the Yankees' win over the Brewers on Sunday, Judge is now up to 59 home runs on the season, too shy of Roger Maris' American League record. He's also just one point back of the American League lead in batting average, which would give him the triple crown. Has Judge put an end to any discussion about the AL MVP? Yes, he has Jesse Rubinoff, but it still should be a conversation. Like, let's be honest here. Shohei Otani didn't win the MVP last year. This would sh- still be a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I-, I actually think it would be neck and neck. It would be neck and neck if Shohei Otani didn't do what Shohei Otani did last year. If this was his first year doing this thing where he is ridiculous as a pitcher and ridiculous as a hitter, it would be neck and neck and it would still be a conversation. And for that reason, I don't know that it should be as clear cut as it is right now. It's over. Aaron Judge has won the MVP. You look at the odds. He's the overwhelming favorite. You look at the numbers offensively. They are absolutely ridiculous. And I get it. He potentially could have the first 700-plus slugging percentage in the AL since Mark McGuire in 1996. What he's doing is jaw-dropping. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. And it is, as we told you last year, probably a top 30 all-time offensive season. And yet what Shohei Otani's done is a once-in-a-generation thing. He's just done it twice in two years. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Shohei comes out himself and says that he's having a better season, which he did last week, yes. 
tells you that maybe this should be a little bit closer. I, I do think that if Shohei didn't win last year, I think Judge might have to win the Triple Crown to win the MVP. Well, that's what we talked about last year with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., right? Yeah. Like, if Vladdy won yeah. the Triple Crown, yeah. would he have to win the MVP? And I don't think it matters for Judge. I think given what he's done, given where the Yankees were when he struggled, given how he seems to be carrying them of late, two more home runs yesterday, I just think, listen, New York, you know this, oftentimes in all of these awards, people vote for the story. Mm -hmm. That's the story this year. Shohei Otani was a story last yeah. year. But I, honestly, if you gave me a vote right now and said, what it should be, a blind vote, and that's why people get ripped off on these MVP, ask Shaquille O'Neal who had one because people didn't want to vote for Goliath here. It should be year by year you vote on the award. You don't think of the story last year. I would have a tough time deciding what it would be this year. Yeah. But if he won the Triple Crown, I'd give it to him. I mean, there's just so many statistics you look at, Judge. Tied the uh, single-season record with his 11th multi-homer game yesterday. And, of course, he could break the record beginning next Monday in Toronto. Yeah. All, you're, all, all you're saying is he's chasing Ruth and Garrick. Yeah. You're good. I mean, yeah, that's I all you have to say, really. It really is. Like, you're Pass right. Garrick. You're right. I'm going to yeah. shut up and just move on. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to the NFL because it was another wild Sunday in the National Football League. Four teams overcame fourth-quarter deficits to win, including the Dolphins, Cardinals, and Jets, all coming back from double digits down in the fourth, which only happened six times all of last season. So in your estimation, Timmy, what was the craziest comeback? I guess you got to go with a stat. And the Jets trailing by 13 with under two minutes left in the game has to be. I mean, listen, the Dolphins coming back from 21 down in the fourth quarter is something like 711 consecutive wins when you are up by 21 or more mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. Um, what the Cards did, because they look so listless against Las Vegas, it seemed like it was jammed done at yeah. halftime, but the Jets trailed by 13 under two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Teams with that kind of lead, teams leading by 13-plus in the final two minutes, had won 2,229 straight games. The Browns did something that previously teams were 2,229 and oh, and they did it against the New York football Jets. Like this is the browniest of Browns <laughs> yeah, losses. Yeah. And that has to be the most stunning of the all of all the comebacks. Can I can I say that that one was the most improbable based on the statistic that you just gave? And the craziest may have been the Dolphins. Just, I'll, I'll agree with that. Like, that game was done and dusted. And Lamar, when Lamar Jackson took off for his long touchdown, you said this game's over. Like, I, I had money on the Dolphins, plus three and a half. I was like this. I, I ripped up my ticket. I literally put it on a post-it, and I, and I ripped it up. I was like, this is over. There's no tickets. No one has tickets. No, no. I put it on a post-it note. I write it down like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you getting a ticket? Yeah, no, no, no tickets. No nice. tickets anymore. I write it down and put it in front of me. Yeah. But I think what the Dolphins did is just put the ball in your playmaker's hands, and evidently they have two of the best playmakers in the National Football League in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And that, that was stunning to me. Craziest probably, most improbable was the Jets. I would, I would agree with you. And listen to this. The Ravens averaged 8.8 .8 yards per offensive play. 
8.8 yards a play. How do you okay? They did not commit any turnovers. They had a special teams touchdown. And Lamar Jackson became just the fourth quarterback in the history of the NFL to throw for 300 yards and run for 100 yards. And they somehow lost the game. They averaged nine yards a play on offense. And they lost the game. It doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And it was thrilling to watch, even though I had the other side of that. I had the Ravens <laughs> minus three and a half and thought I was walking away to a victory. Yes. Up 21 going to the fourth quarter. Uh, so the Raiders against the Cardinals, you mentioned, also thought they were walking away to a victory before Hunter Renfro fumbled twice and the Cardinals ended up winning that game. Now something that happened in the immediate aftermath of that game is grabbing our attention and grabbing the attention on the socials. So this is Kyler Murray celebrating near the back of the end zone. It appears a fan hits him in the face. There's now an investigation ongoing in Las Vegas as we slowed it down with a close-up of the guy's face and the hit. I mean, you can't you can't do this if you're a fan at, a, at any sport, right? This is this is bad. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's a great slowdown, by the way. Yeah, wonderful yeah. slowdown. I want to. Are we overreacting to this? I know we shouldn't have fans doing that, but if you're running over to the fans, I don't want barbed wire and like uh, Greek basketball cages all around the court because we keep fans out. So if you act like that, that's what you're going to end up with, you idiot. Yeah. However, is that like a little bit of an overreaction? Yeah, the whole investigation thing is, I think is a bit much. It, what, what happened, I'm assuming, and I have no idea, I'm just speculating, I don't think he was trying to punch Kyler Murray in the face. I think he probably was having a good time. It was at the end of the game. It was probably just trying to catch a piece of Kyler Murray. Nah. Like he's the famous guy right in front of him. Nah. Kyler should, I mean, you don't think so? No. Nope. He was trying to hit him? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 oh, look at that. Did he throw a punch back? Yeah. Uh, it's like an open-handed, yeah, I don't know. You think he's going for a shoulder pad? Yeah, I think so. I think he's patting, he's trying to pat him on the shoulder, honestly. But the, the fact that there's now an investigation makes me second-guess that a little bit. But we'll have to see what comes of this because uh, it is certainly making the rounds now. Uh, so the Cardinals could have been in this next conversation, which is which team is in the most trouble. But they were right. able to win yesterday in another improbable victory. So which team is in the most trouble in your estimation? There's a lot of correct answers to this question. Um, obviously, the 0-2 teams are in trouble, mm -hmm. uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals are among the 0-2 teams since the merger in 1970. 90.5% of teams that start 0-2 go on to miss the playoffs. That's shocking. Again, 0-2 start, 90.5% of teams that start that way miss the playoffs. Now... If you want to break down the stat, understand that a lot of the 0-2 teams were bad teams, right? Mm -hmm. So you immediately eliminate them mm -hmm. from the equation. How many good teams started 0-2? Well, in the last little while, yeah. last generation, we've seen two teams start 0-2 and win a Super Bowl. That's also happened. Two teams have started 0-2 and won a Super Bowl. Good context. I, I wonder if the team and or person that is in the most trouble isn't that dude right there. Like, I went after Nathaniel Hackett after week one. They got a win in week two, 
and he's under more scrutiny after week two than he was after week one. And it was jaw-dropping how bad the execution of the Denver Broncos was, mm -hmm. even though they still won the game. It's indisputable. It is indisputable? It's completely indisputable. <laughs> There's no comeback for that. He is putting on a clinic in how not to manage the football team on the field. In, in play clock situations, delay a game situations, like it is becoming an absolute disaster in Denver, and we're only two through two games. So I guess the question is, is this just now uh, a learning curve for a new head coach, or is he just overmatched, and is he not being bailed out by Russell Wilson, who oftentimes over his career had a history of bailing out, I don't know, the Seahawks weren't always as ah, good. There's as were. a lot of people that disagree with that in Seattle. And part of the reason why he got booed was a lot of the people felt like he did things that put them in tough positions, including run their play clock. I was listening to Mina Kimes, friend of the show, mm -hmm. talking. She is a Seahawks fan unabashed and talked about, hey, get used to this, Denver. After week one, Russell always brings the play clock down and forces timeouts. and force. So you saw indecision on a field goal in the third quarter that led to a delay of game. That's the same sort of thing that they did in week one. You saw them punt from the 41 instead of going for a 58-yard field goal that would have tied the game mm -hmm. up. They ended up scoring a touchdown and being able to alleviate the pain of that. Uh, they called a timeout with 8.55 left because they didn't have a punt returner in the game. They In 7.38 left, like they burned their last timeout because Russell Wilson didn't get to the line of scrimmage. Like It got so bad that Broncos fans, understanding the situation, started counting down the play clock so they wouldn't get screwed on another, yet another <laughs> delay of game call. I thought this was remarkably good from the Broncos fans. <laughs> Hinton goes in motion. Wilson to throw. Where have you ever seen that before? It's sad. They were counting down so they wouldn't get another delay of game call. Like, if that's not damning in your first home game, the second game of the season, like, Hackett's on the hot seat now. Yeah. I can't believe I'm I, – I preach patience on this show all the time. I'm not saying he's going to get fired. He's on the hot seat in week two, and they're one and one. It's crazy. They better love him. The players better love him because the fan base has already turned on him through two weeks. And maybe they do love him. Maybe they still have all the confidence in the world. But through two weeks, it's been very ugly. Uh, there's still a lot more NFL talk that we are going to get to. We'll ask Rich Gannon if he's ever seen anything like we just yeah. saw in Denver. We'll ask him if Joe Burrow's offensive line is going to get him killed. The MVP, <laughs> Rich Gannon, coming up a little later on. My conversation with Austin Matthews from NHL Media Day. Are we changing the Leafs' goal song? And after the break... We'll talk some Jays. An off day today after a solid week. Ben Shulman, who had the call on the radio over the weekend, will join us next. Him and friends, Monday, we're sprinting today like Dabo kids. Rivera reaches for it and sends it to deep left. And he's so strong, he hit it out. Number 29 for Vladdy. Yeah. 
running out of time. Coming back this way. And directing traffic. And look at the length of this play. Murray no, to the 10. On. To the 5. And he's going to convert it. That's unbelievable. And oh, my, oh my God. God. What the f***, guys? Oh, my God. Okay. No. Oh, why my eye? It's going to be a spicy battle this weekend. Out to the left. Looking up. There's the power. A Springer Dinger. Swing and a drive to left. That ball is in the second deck. Second home run of the night for Matt Chapman. Toronto takes the first. Blue Jays try to make it two in a row over the Orioles. Rymel Tapia, a great bases loaded hitter. Over 400 in his career. And a well hit ball to deep right center field. And it is down. Three runs will come in to score on the double. An all around really strong performance for Toronto. The Blue Jays have taken the first two. Guerrero reaches for it and sends it to deep left. And he's so strong he hit it out. 27 hits his 29th of the year. One of the best closers in baseball. They're coming on with a one-run lead. And he shoots it through the left side for a base hit. Two runs will come into score. First blown save since August 7th. Tough here with the sweep so imminent. But the Blue Jays still win two of three against Baltimore. Jays take five of eight from the Royals and excuse me from the Rays and the Orioles. You put them together, you get the Royals and or a mistake from Uncle Timmy. They improved to 13 and five in the month of September. Here to discuss the weekend set with the O's is a young man who called the games on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You heard his voice. You heard his dad's voice, among others, on that uh, that nice little montage. And he's come an awful long way from sitting in this studio watching the madness of Tim and Friends as a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed zest of youth young man. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Ben Shulman to the show. What's up, Ben? How are you? Hey, Tim. Thanks so much for having me. I was going to come in and say, you know, first time, long time, but you are right that I, I had about a fraction of a second of airtime when I was 15. Uh, and I think a fake segment with Sid where I said DeMar DeRozan was playing too much isolation ball <laughs> so it's I'm kind of used to it now yeah. but in all seriousness thank you so much for uh for having me on so for those for those who don't know Ben came in here and watched the show in studio when you were you were 15 when you did that 15 or 16 oh probably God. I think 15. oh that's a great way to make me feel really old Ben I appreciate it. I remember thinking, like, what the hell is this kid going to learn from us? Like, what do you remember other than, by the way, being right about DeMar DeRozan playing too much isolation ball? Uh, you know, it, loud show. You guys always bring the energy. Um, <laughs> loud. So it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't, truthfully, I, I, other than the Raptors struggling a little bit at that point in the season, I don't remember what exactly was on the docket, <laughs> but... Uh, the studio was still pretty new at that point, I think. Right. Uh, so it was really cool to see everything uh, around the studio that you guys had put together. And then uh, I was just wondering how my dad was going to fit into this kind of mess of yelling and energy that made uh, <laughs> you guys so great. I, you know, I feel like he's not as much of a yeller, but he managed to uh, yeah. survive on there. A, a little less yelling now, but he still rips me all the time. Um, <laughs> have you been on the breakfast television thing yet? I have not. No, I have okay. been yeah, damn six, Sarah. We'll, we'll have to get you on there to kind of even out the balance. So five out of eight ain't bad, is it? 
No, it's not. It's definitely not. That's two series wins. Uh, and it's a series win over Tampa. 3-2 doesn't sound that great, but the Tampa Bay Rays are probably the most annoying team to play against in all of baseball. They'll, you know, call someone's uncle up that's never played before, and all of a sudden he's the best pitcher in the league. So uh, to beat them in a series, come back and beat Baltimore, it it hurt at the end of the Baltimore series because they were so close to a sweep. Yeah. But at the same time, they played really good baseball. They have essentially made it. Uh, impossible for the Orioles to come back. It would take a huge surge from Baltimore and a big crater from the Blue Jays to lose their spot in the playoffs. So overall, it's a good week, and you end the week uh, number one in the wild card standings, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, the, the, the part of me that felt like a, like this is done and dusted if you complete the sweep, but does Romano get a pass given what he's done this year? I think for sure. Uh, everyone's going to blow saves. You remember the blown saves way more than the 10 in a row or 12 in a row that someone's going to pick up before then. But, it, you know, it just happens. You're not going to be perfect forever, and maybe this is a good one to get out of the way so we can go on another one of these streaks coming up in the postseason because he, he truly is one of the best closers in all of baseball, and he's been put into about as many leverage and high-leverage situations as anyone in baseball. Tons of multi-inning saves, lots of one-run saves, which – have to be much more pressure-packed, of course, than a three-run save. So he's been so good and, frankly, so much better than they could have asked for that I think you just take the blown save here or there and know that next time he comes in, you should still have unwavering confidence in Jordan Romano. Yeah, it's crazy. He already set the record for Jay's uh, franchise history with one-run saves, uh, and he still could be adding to the total depending on how these final 15 work out. Was was. Alec Manoa's performance kind of sort of lost in the madness of the blown save and the almost comeback? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it was an interesting performance. For him, the bar is so high. Yeah. He was really good. I mean, he only gave up a, a single run. At the same time, he had to gut through it. And, and he's had that a couple times recently. There were runners in scoring position a lot. But he's showing an ability, like he does with everything, to pitch way beyond his years with the fact that he's just stranding runners left and right. He doesn't care about the fact that his team might be down or up in a game. And once again, he goes out there and proves that he's the ace of this team. He's he's having one of the best seasons a Blue Jays starting pitcher has ever had. And that's, you know, prime Roy Halladay, prime Dave Steve. It's really, you know, contending with Juan Guzman's 92 year as well. He was so phenomenal. It was just the one day that the Blue Jays couldn't exactly get to the starting pitching of the opposing team because Dean yeah. Kramer is a really good pitcher for Baltimore, too. Yeah, he's had some success this year. Does, does, is it just me or does it kind of feel like Vladdy's starting to find it again? I think so. Yeah. Uh, he's you know has two homers in the last five games now. He had a double in the game prior. And he's on the longest hit streak in the American League. That's you know, the best thing about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is that his tough stretches, his down years, are up stretches and up years for almost every other person on the planet. He was struggling through a hit streak, and now the extra base power is coming back. He was really capitalizing on mistakes. Uh, I believe the homer he hit, it was the third straight slider he had seen. And it's just the game plans that they're putting out there, he's starting to figure them out. You can't just pound him with a slider low and away a million times. He'll pick it up. So it, it's about getting hot at the right time in baseball. Alex Anthopoulos' Atlanta Braves proved that yeah. uh, more than enough last year. And with Bichette getting hot, with Manoa staying hot, and with potentially Vladdy uh, getting hot as well. This could be a really dangerous team going into the wildcard rounder, maybe even uh, getting the division win 
if they can pull off some sort of miracle here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that, that's the that's the next step. And I, I want to get into that. But there's one more question that I wanted to, wanted to throw your way before we got into kind of the final 15. And I've been really impressed with what Danny Jansen's done. And listen, he had some bad luck along the way. He had a really good start. And, and I wonder if Jansen's play hasn't mitigated the absence of Alejandro Kirk over the last little while. I think it has absolutely. He, he might be the MVP of the homestand for being able to step in and not only produce at the plate. His OPS uh, on base plus slugging in a limited sample size is even higher than Kirk's is because of the power he hits for. But also you mentioned Manoa. Danny Jansen hadn't caught Manoa this season before that appearance in that Sunday game and he had only caught him three times last season obviously they know each other and they see each other but he had to go out there with basically no prior pitching relationship and they together got that really good outing produced and then he provides so much pop he had his 13th home run of the season on the weekend which is the most he's hit in a year and he's dealt with injuries this year and he hasn't been an everyday player the way he was in some previous years when healthy because Kirk has been so good. Most guys, other than you know Matt Stairs, get worse when they're not in the lineup every day. Danny Jansen has found a way to even get better with occasional at-bats, and that's been huge. He should be in the lineup all the time if the Blue Jays can qualify for the playoffs. Always appreciate a good Matt Stairs reference. All right, last one before I let you go. Uh, what concerns you as the Jays enter the final 15? What, what's the focus here as we turn down the stretch? Tiebreakers are a big concern for me that they have to finish above Seattle. And unless they get a 3-1 series win against the Rays, they have to finish above the Rays too. There are no one-game playoffs in baseball anymore. Right. They abolished those this year. So if the Blue Jays are tied with either of those teams or both of them, they'll finish below them. They need to stay clear of both to try and get that home field advantage. I know there is a crowd that is considering the third wild card the best spot. You end up playing the Guardians. But if that goes well, you play Houston next. I'd much rather you know match up with the Rays or the Mariners and the chance to play the Yankees next than play Houston because Houston is yeah. by far the best team in this league. I will say Cleveland won again today, starting to warm a little bit too. Uh, might not want to get Cleveland, but that's the beauty of playoff baseball. You play good teams. You have to win good games to get even further. Uh, ben, great catching up with you again. This was fun. Yeah, thank you so much. This was awesome. Hopefully I can uh, stop by soon and, and I'll, I'll make sure to poke Sid on Facebook or something about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Make sure. Appearance. Yeah, I think, I think that's now due. Now that you've come on this show as a guest, I think now you got to get on breakfast television with our boy Sixero. Uh, he'd love to catch up with you. Thanks for doing this, Ben. Be well. Thank you so much. You too. There is uh, Ben Shulman, and you might recognize the last name. He is the son of Dan Shulman who calls the games on the Sportsnet television. Sounds like I'm a little bit, eh? He does have a little bit. Take that, uh, Noah and I and Eagle. Yes. I think uh, the showmans are coming after your father's son crown. Yes. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, the Monday tradition returns. Oh. We've got the plays of the week on the other side. That's right, kids. Line it up, the best and the worst from the last seven days in the world of sports. It is the Tim and Friends Plays of the Week, and it comes up next. Oh, by the way, Austin Matthews coming on the show, too. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff at the... Uh, look at Jesse Rubinoff with the jacket today, eh? Looking sharp. I had a feeling that was going to come at some point. 
It's just, I don't know why I did it. I have no idea. Uh, you, you look like uh, the opening episode of The Bachelor with the guy wears every time he comes out of the limousine the at the start. Yeah. They always have the jacket t-shirt look with the running shoes. I hate that episode. I hate that episode. <laughs> where they, they all have to have their own pickup line. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, it's like yeah, it's to, you, have to make, yeah. you have to make an impression on the first Here, day. Here's my catchphrase. Let's all right, ride. Tim. Do you want Sorry, my rose? That's, that's Russell. That's Russell Westland. Yeah, it would be... Uh, well, let's ride is the most... I can't, do, can't deal with it. It's too cringe. <laughs> it's, it's very special it's right enough. now. All right, let's stop the cringe and get to the plays of the week, kids. <laughs> Brought to you by The Space for Rent. By the way, Live Broadcasters said that Bryson DeChambeau's caddy was wearing a moral compass. <laughs> then this happened. <laughs> oh, it's too good. Oh, and how much he whined about it made it even better. It's Bryson DeChambeau, that's what he does. That's exactly what he does. We said our prayers, we ate our vitamins... So, ooh, yeah, brother, let's yeah. get it going. Yeah. By the way, hold the mustache. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's Love start that. with baseball. Twins, Guardians. And sorry, these plays are kind of a big deal. Joey Chestnut? A big deal. Oh, yeah, I got it. We start with baseball. Twins and Guardians. Jose Miranda flies out. Stephen Kwan. How about this? Going all out, kid, and he's got mad glove to give. Good reaction, too. Got the glove on the. Oh yeah, forgot about that at him. He's a lefty. Catches with his right hand. Did that make him a lefty? Yes, that makes him. A lefty. Okay, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lefty. Uh, oh, Freddie Freeman, not quite Willie Mays, but it counts the same. A little juggling oh, that, action gets nice. it done. Yeah, well done. MVP like rate debate will rage on. Shohei Otani pulls the Taylor Swift though. A little glove story here. What can't he do? guy's unbelievable. Uh, Phillies and Braves, bases loaded, Bryce Harper, and it looks like he's going to do some damage. Fly ball, actually that's a, that's a line drive Ooh. right field. Ronald Acuna Jr., your glove keeps lifting me higher. I love the yellow too. I know some, some Braves fans I think don't, don't like the yellow. I'm a fan. More glove love, Ramel Tapia climbs the wall to Matumbo, Cedric Mullins. Yes. Not in my house. Yeah. Not in my house. Great reaction. All right, let's go to the pitch. And uh, rate this flop, Jesse. One out of ten. Rate this flop. Uh, that is a ten. That's <laughs> is a ten. It, is it really a ten? What do you mean? Yeah, it wasn't touched. That's the, re a 10. the reaction of the defender <laughs> makes me feel like it was not a ten. Yeah, no, that's definitely this a 10. right here. Well, that is a ten. Too. Is a ten. Yeah. Erling Holland ball played from the outside of the foot. By the way, not enough love for the ball. Holland with the finish. It's all so sweet. Holland insane Kids right now. Ten goals in six matches. Yeah, that's that's pretty My insane. Goodness. Yeah, this guy's uh, having, football, he's having a time. This guy's having a time. That was us after our week one picks. <laughs> nice. Uh, Justin Herbert before the rib injury to Mike Williams. Is that the catch of the week? Yeah, there's a lot of contenders, but that's a pretty good one. Uh, uh, that's probably the, the catch of the week. Yeah. Uh, all right. Premature yeah. jocularity goes to these Raider fans spraying champagne up 23 to 7. Only in Vegas. Hold up. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get bottles of champagne? Wait a second. It's Las Vegas. Yeah. Kyler Murray. Could this be the catch of the week? Nah, nah, Mike Williams is better. Hollywood Brown, all right. That's a nice grab. All right. How about this? Is this uh, the scramble of the week? Kyler Murray, not much later, doing Kyler Murray-like things. Like, uh, escaping. 
from the sack that he had there. And like, this is ridiculous. Get the stop clock out. Stopwatch. Whatever and, you call it. And the stop clock. All of them. 84 <laughs> yards. So it's a stop clock. 84.9 yards was the ground that, that was he covered for the two-point conversion. Hope that champagne tasted great. <laughs> this play didn't count because of an illegal formation. Is this the catch of the week if it did count, Jesse? No, you can't, you can't, you can't have that caveat. You got Moss, though, pretty much. That's a Mossing. That is a Mossing. Uh, Falcons-Rams, Drake London, catch and run, and... Whoop! Yeah, this guy's good. You think so? Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. He's the number one option right now in Atlanta. Uh, Kyle Pitts, quiet start to the year. It's because no one else makes a play on that team. Yeah, so we'll see. Triple teaming him. And we finish with college football. Troy, Troy and Appalachian and State. Back. Two seconds left. Down two with the ball. Down. Fourth and ten. Rush. Chase what the hell? Step up in the pocket. Sets. Throws high into the air. It's up for grabs. It is juggled. <laughs> Sports should be called. I know yeah. it got a little overmodulated. The microphones came out, of, but that's the way you do it. I agree. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Ben Schulman and uh, his dad would they, they do that from time to time on the home runs? I don't you know. can hear the vocals. I don't know about quite like that. Yeah. Those guys lost their mind. It's always Appalachian State too. Coming up, I caught up with Austin Matthews, NHL Media Week last week. We discussed his offseason, his thoughts on the Leafs goal song, and had him break down some of his best goals of the year. That conversation comes your way next on two MVPs in this Monday edition. Gannon Matthews. That's pretty impressive. Next. I have to say. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two on Tim and Friends, full hour Sportsnet 360, which includes Rich Gannon for a little Monday afternoon quarterback with just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. We got Astros and Rays coming your way at 6.30 Eastern time. My conversation with reigning Hart Trophy winner Austin Matthews coming up in mere moments from now. But first, some afternoon baseball. And we'll start in Anaheim with the Mariners who began the day in the third wildcard spot in the American League, four up on Baltimore. Two back of Toronto. Got it good and since you understood. Here's how it's looking so far between the Mariners and the Angels. Top of the second. one nothing Mariners. Adam Frazier, ground ball. Luis Renjifo. That's a nice play and a throw from his ass. Got it good and since you understood. Bases loaded. Top of the fifth. To the sounds of the guitar, yeah. Played by Carlos Santana. 18th of the year. Is his fifth career Grand Slam. And Seattle turned a 1-0 lead into a 5-0 lead. And right now, still 5 Got it good and since you understood. Twins and Guardians, bottom of the first two on. Josh Taylor out of Mississauga. Three-run bomb. The only first-inning home run given up by Sonny Gray this season. And it's 3-0 Guardians from Canadian to Canadian. Josh Naylor to Cal Quantrill. 
never lost a game at home with the Guardians 12 and 0 at progressive field over 31 starts. Man on two down he gets Jake Cave looking to end the ending a little window shopping then top six four three Quantrill hits Matt Fulner in the chest to load the bases. Quantrill done for the day next batter Mark Contreras lines out to Naylor turns the double play gets his homie from Canada out of the jam and Quantrill remains unbeaten at progressive field as the Guardians win 11 4 your final they continue to play some decent baseball. All right to hockey and the Oilers have signed Jake for to a PTO now Vertanen was found not guilty of sexual assault by a jury in Vancouver in July. Last played in the NHL with the Canucks in 2021 before he was placed on leave by the team for the allegations of sexual misconduct. Now, the Oilers moved to bring in Vertanen for a professional tryout, facing criticism for obvious reasons. Vertanen was on the ice and then spoke to the media in Edmonton earlier today. Going through something like that, you know, you go through a lot of ups and downs and you learn a lot about yourself and who you are as a person. And uh, yeah, you, you do a lot of self-reflection on who you are and you, you, you know your self-worth. And, uh, you know, it was a long process and I, I thought that by the end of it, um, you know, I, I'm very happy and very grateful that I did it the right way and the right process and I went through the whole, the whole thing properly. And, and now I'm here and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Meanwhile, more hockey news. Reports say that uh, Flyer Sean Couturier has a herniated disc in his back, meaning he will miss significant time, maybe the whole season. Couturier oh. only played in 29 games last season and spent his entire 11-year career in Philadelphia. The NHL preseason gets underway this Saturday today. The Canucks and the Leafs both held their season opening golf tournaments, a sure sign that we are getting close to the start of the season. And speaking of NHL Media Day, that happened last week, and we were able to get some time with a man that was playing golf today, Hart Trophy winner, Austin Matthews. frivolity of media days continues for the NHL unless of course you're one of the players put through the gauntlet of power poses pitchers and interviews with jagoffs like me which is now the case for Leafs superstar Austin Matthews who joins me now. hey thanks so much for stopping by the Tim and friends camera how's the day going so far no problem uh, not too bad I mean we're just getting started so uh, yeah it's gonna be a long day so you aren't sick of any questions yet 
Uh, no, not yet, but I'm sure in a couple hours uh, that answer will change. Well, hopefully not a couple minutes. Hopefully not a couple minutes. I, I know you guys are in Henderson, Vegas, uh, just a little bit away, and about a four or five hour ride from home in Scottsdale. Are, are you a Vegas guy? Do you enjoy it, or is it like too much for you? Uh, I do like Vegas. Yeah, I uh, try to make a trip out here every summer, a uh, little boys trip. Um, last couple of years, so uh, yeah, I'm a big Vegas guy. I really enjoy it for uh, for a couple of days. Yeah, for a couple. Of, you can't like. There's no week in Vegas. A couple of days in Vegas, you're good to go. So hopefully, you can enjoy. No, little... no, two, three max. <laughs> right. Do you play table games? Do you get on there, or are you just going around uh, enjoying the sights and and eating well? Uh, a little bit of everything. I like to get on the tables a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, some good restaurants, some good entertainment here. So. Uh, try to just kind of check all the boxes. Understand, been there, done that back when I had hair. All right, uh, you won You won the Hart, you won the Lindsay, you won the Rocket Richard. You even got Selkie votes. I know pro athletes use the offseason to improve parts of their game. What did you work on? Like, what should I prep the kids who cut the highlight montages? Uh, like, is it a wicked backhand or something? What, what are you trying to add to the game this year? Uh, I don't know. I don't love uh, getting into that kind of stuff, honestly. I think you just always go into the offseason. Um, you know, for myself, I think the last couple of years working on a couple of things, but just trying to stay and feel as healthy as possible uh, heading into the season and then obviously throughout. I get it. Keep the cards close to the chest. We were talking about Vegas, I understand. Uh, I did, though, hear, <laughs> I heard assistant coach Manny Malhotra talk about your work ethic, saying, it's the work that a lot of you don't see, the extra stuff that makes you great. Is there ever anything that you wish fans or, God forbid, dudes like me in the media got to see or knew about how much work is put in behind the scenes? Um, I mean, I guess. I think, uh, you know, that could go for, for the whole team, right? So, um, you know, I think everybody works extremely hard and extremely motivated. I think there's a lot of things that... Uh, happen and go on uh, behind closed doors that um, you know not a lot of people get to see or, or hear about and um, you know I think I could speak for pretty much um, you know a lot of guys a lot of players a lot of teams so um, you know it's all right that you know that's kind of the way it is but um, you know I think there's definitely a lot more that goes on behind closed doors that people realize. I actually heard uh, Connor Bedard the young kind of phenom talking about that kind of thing and he was talking about his shot and he was saying that he watches your YouTube videos and then heads into the backyard and works on the stuff that he sees you do. Now that you've been around for a bit, what's it like to hear that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's kind of funny, honestly. Um, I just, it, it reminds me of when I was a kid and I was doing the same thing, whether it was uh, Patrick Kane, Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin, Datsuk, like all these guys, like you'd spend hours on YouTube as a kid and, and watch all their highlights and then go out and, and try to practice it in, in the garage or out on the ice and try to mimic what they do out there. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny how it comes all full circle, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something that uh, I, don't, I don't think about too often, but, you know, when it gets brought up, it definitely makes me chuckle. Do you still see other dudes' games in yours like you've gone and looked at the videos and you tried to emulate it when you were a kid and ended up getting pretty good at it? Uh, maybe bits and pieces, honestly, but um, you know, I think you always kind of try to take uh, bits and pieces and kind of try to make it your own and 
maybe put a little twist on it or, or whatever that may be and um, you know kind of just make it unique in your own way. All right, speaking of YouTube and the Sportsnet channel on YouTube, instead of hammering down on, on getting past the first round because you're probably tired of that-ish, and we've heard you answer that stuff before, we decided that we would relive some of your best YouTube moments from your 60-goal season. Uh, and maybe you can give some of the kids watching right now some insight into your greatest hits. Would you be down with watching a couple of the goals and maybe breaking them down for us? Sure. All right, let's start with number 60. Uh, first Leaf ever at home against Detroit. What do you remember about this bad boy? Uh, all I can remember is I was just praying that the puck uh, stayed onside and, and didn't uh, cross that blue line. So that was pretty much what was going through my head uh, the whole time, was just hoping, praying that that puck didn't cross the line and go in the neutral zone. Uh, the, the release, too. Like, everyone talks about the release. How long did it take you to get to the point where you're like, this thing's pretty good? Uh, I mean, I think it's always a work in progress, and, um, you know, it can always be better. Um, I think it's just a lot of repetition, lots of, uh, lots of practice time, lots of work, uh, and just trying to, I guess, perfect it and uh, utilize different uh, different releases and stuff like that. And so when you get in a game situation, uh, there's really no thinking involved. It's just all kind of instinct. That's awesome. All right, let's go to number two. Uh, next up, December the 1st against the Abs. Somehow you're left alone in front. And the kids chopping these videos up were talking about how silky the mitts were in front. Uh, yeah, Mitchie, I mean, made an unbelievable play uh, to just get me the puck. Um, I mean, I didn't think I, I'd, I'd have that much uh, time in front of the net and just kind of, I don't know, just try to make a move and, and, and put it in as quickly as possible before somebody could come, uh, come uh, check me or something. Was it Mitchie's patience that opened you up in front? Like, how the hell do they leave you like that open in front? I don't know. I, I just think it was uh, a bit of a scramble play. Like, um, and then he obviously got it. The puck changed sides, and um, you know sometimes you just kind of lose coverage, uh, or maybe they double up on coverage, and you just don't realize uh, maybe where your guy is supposed to be. And right. I was just fortunate enough to get lost. And he obviously made a pretty unbelievable play to get me the puck. Yeah, it was a nice pass. And by the way, I, I broke a media faux pas. I just called Mitch Marner, Mitchie. I shouldn't do that. I was copying you. <laughs> Definite media faux pas. All right. Uh, number three, in Dallas against the Stars in overtime. This was April 7th. I think it was number 56. Yeah, three on three. Um, I know I just saw, saw an opening. Um, the puck took the puck back and just kind of generated some speed coming through the neutral zone and, um, you know, kind of realized that there was a, a forward that was kind of playing D and just try to kind of uh, attack that and I uh, was fortunate to get around uh, the goalie and, and the player and, uh, and tuck it home. All right, finally the highlight crew said that this was signature Matthews. We're going to go back home, Arizona. It felt like 0-0 zero, zero to the third. Carol Vimelka standing on his head and you go and do this. <laughs> uh, all, all I remember from that goal was uh, Bunting coming back to the bench and just saying you're welcome um, for the pass, <laughs> but um, no, it just all happened so quick. Um, you know, I kind of had a little bit of a uh, some space between myself and the D, and just try to uh, change the angle a little bit and get the shot through, and um, try to use the D as a screen. And I think the 
the goalie just kind of um, reacted a little bit late with, with that screen and was able to sneak it in, I guess. Is it extra special in Arizona? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got family, friends, um, people I grew up with uh, that come to that game every year. So uh, it's always special going home and playing in front of them. All right, me and some of the crew were rifling through, uh, I don't know, like 60 goals uh, to try and find the ones that we would pull for this occasion. And I kept hearing the Hall & Oates song over and over and over again. You make my dreams come true. Are you good with the Toronto Maple Leafs now famous goal song? Uh, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't mind uh, hearing something different, maybe switching it up. Um, little beeps? You know, I'm a, yeah, maybe a little beeps. Maybe uh, just change it up, switch it up, see if uh, we can get something else going and, uh, and go on a nice little run. So um, I'm always open to change, but if they want to stick with the same one too, I'm fine as well. I feel like I interrupted you. Did you have, like, a song in mind that you were thinking of? I didn't. No, right. I didn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you made our dreams come true. Thank you for doing this. I know these are really long days, but we appreciate you stopping by the Tim and Friends camera. Yeah, all good. Thanks for having me. All right, so that was uh, on Friday, and uh, some people may have figured it out because I'm wearing a different suit mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. conversation than asking. I am right yeah. now. A few people, uh, we mentioned when we went to it that it was last week. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we clipped that. The last part there about the uh, the Leafs goal song. And it seems to have, uh, have created some, some chatter in and around the Twitter machine. I want to give just a taste before we had to break. Uh, are people down with this as the goal song or are they like Austin Matthews and want it changed? I don't think there's a single person out there that wants that to remain the goal song. Really? In fact, yeah. I would wager to say there is a 0% chance that after hearing that from Austin Matthews, they roll into the season with that as their goal song. Do they have the next one? I don't know, but there's plenty of options, which is <laughs> part of the reason we sent out that question on socials. If you could choose the Leafs goal song, what would it be and why? As Steve says, maybe 50 mission cap or fireworks by the hip. And yes, I know Gordy was a Bruins fan. A lot of hip options in the comments. Uh, they should change it to na 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 hey hey goodbye then just roll it right into the first round. Oh, okay. yeah. Not so optimistic Leaf no, fan. No. <laughs> John. Jays fan. Not so optimistic Leafs fan. I don't think he's a Leafs fan. Uh, sweet child of mine Guns and Roses which is I, I think the rock that people are clamoring for. More rock than folksy like the Hall and Oates. Oats right. and Hall. Uh, anything by these guys says Brian. <laughs> 98 degrees with one Tim McAuliffe as the lead. Uh, Dale says, Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine started at 32 seconds. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yes, I know Rage Against the Machine. No, I mean... What? I mean the start at 32 seconds part. Uh, no. Do you want to sing it for me? No, I have no idea what it is. That's do why I'm asking you, do you know what it is? Oh, yeah, it's, it's come with it now. It's, yeah, I just, yeah, put two and two together. It literally says it in the tweet. Come with it now. Dun, dun, dun. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Okay. That's actually, that's a really good one. I see, actually like see, that a lot. See, the question led to an answer. There I, you go. I, hey. It started at 32 seconds. So I'm reading it. And I'm like, what is, come with it now. I thought it was just like, yeah, like join me in this quest to get them to change I it to Bulls on Parade. The tweets. I did. I just didn't think that come with it. That was the lyric <laughs> in the song. All right. But you well, know what? Now that I think of it. 
Well done by Dale. You should have thought of it before we brought it on the air. <laughs> that was a tape segment. We'll come back. We're going to take the break. When we come back, we'll get more of your feedback and see if we can't get uh, one, Jesse, to do more songs for us, and two, maybe the new Leafs goal song. We'll figure it out. Plus an update on the Mariners game. Coming up next, Timmy Friends. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, if you want to flip over to Sportsnet 360, we've got you covered with all the NFL talk that you need and or want. Rich Gannon, former NFL MVP, will join us, and we will break down Timmy's top five again. Sportsnet 360 coming your way in less than 10 minutes from now. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about Austin Matthews' suggestion that the Leafs' goal song should change. Of course, it has been Hall & Oates. For a while, for a few years, and we're getting the feeling on Twitter, Jesse, that some people want that to change. Yeah, but you know how I just said in the previous block that uh, nobody in the world likes the Hall & Oates song as a goal song? Well, Rob writes in and says, I love the Hall & Oates goal song, but if you look at Rob's Twitter name, Rob obviously the bot because I have numbers. So Rob is a bot. So when you have numbers and you claim to be a bot, I don't know how seriously I can take you. So I'm still counting it as zero people who want to. You know what I mean? Nope, not really, okay, but fine. you can continue. All right, I'll move on. That's fine. <laughs> Daniel says, worst goal song in the history. It's embarrassing. I don't know if it's the worst goal. It was number six on the sporting news. Number yeah, six. And that was that's in one person. That's one person's opinion. Right, but it, that, how could it be the worst? If, <laughs> I mean, I guess this is all one person's uh, Wayne says, I think the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song would hit the spot. <laughs> that <laughs> would good. work for sure. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Vinny, just blare one of the epic horns. Nothing better than elite horn or siren. Yeah? No? I see yeah. Eh. I, I could see no, you I coming like, around I like that. the song. I, I'm, I'm with the sing-alongs, right? Like the da, 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 Yeah, that's very good. Sorry, too. Vancouver fans. I apologize. No, that's, that's a very good one, too. But the horn usually plays, and then the team will have a song after the horn. Correct. Like, the horn can't go for Correct. 45 seconds or a what? minute or whatever it is. Okay, keep going here. Okay. Uh, Ahmad says, how about they bring back Zombie Nation, which they used from 2001 to 2006, but with a remix, so it doesn't sound exactly the same. Same song, but newer. A lot of them are remixed. I will give uh, Ahmad. Ahmad that. Yeah. Uh, Al says, need to bring back Zombie Nation okay. for Goal Song, or even Darude Standstorm. Standstorm's good. It takes a while to get into it, but I guess if you start it like when you're into it, Sebi's saying it's 90s. Very 90s. Two 90s yeah, for Sebi. I, I get all of those songs i understand what they are but i'm i'm i still want the i know where along. you are i know what the hype is but Braden says uh, leafs management rushing to find a new goal song <laughs> that's pretty good yeah we did put them on black i apologize to game ops for asking that question of austin matthews because i have got them searching yeah, without a doubt uh one says new leafs goal song should easily be the cormist and mama said knock you out by ll cool j here's the deal i'm glad someone brought up something other than like hype slash like techno house and or hard rock like there's got to be now mama said knock you out sucks when it's six one so it can't be like if you score yeah, the goal at make, six yeah. nothing to make it six one you can't play Come on, man. Uh, do you think Do you think Game Ops should have the uh, ability to not play the song if it's a blowout? Just say like, ah, it's well, four. You, it's four goals. Do you so, remember the goal song 
in Canada's World Junior tournaments when they're up at like 14 yeah. nothing. It Tough. seems utterly ridiculous. Extremely disrespectful. The, yeah, the same song yeah. over and over again. <laughs> but I get it. Um, Joshua writes in and says, uh, Despacito sung by Sid. Yeah. <laughs> that, I could, yeah, I could see that working. That could work. Yeah. <laughs> that could work. Very good. Uh, and uh, finally, Philip, uh, I think each player should have their own goal song, yeah, like walk-up music in baseball. If Game Ops was already pissed off at us for having to go and find a new Leafs goal song, they'd be even more pissed after seeing Phillips. That tweet. seems like borderline impossible. Like, I know that you can have a soundboard like this and you can see it, but it has to be instant. Like, the goal song goes off instantly. It's not that hard. Or you could have the horn for, like, 15 seconds and the person finds the soundboard and then you make it work. How long, how long are you going to celebrate your goal for? Yeah, well, the Leafs celebrate their goals for yeah. a while. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so did we just change the Leafs' uh, goal song? Yes or no? Yeah, without, without a doubt. Without, without a yeah, doubt? Yeah, without a doubt. I'm so, not, it was you because you asked Austin the question. It was Austin. It was Austin Matthews. It was Austin. Yeah, yeah he, he changed yeah. it. I said we. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, it would together. be Austin yeah. Matthews. Definitely. Yeah. It's done. <laughs> it's, it's over. I'm sure of it. All right. Uh, we'll see if that ends up changing. I still don't like any of the options that I've seen here. Uh, I'll continue to work on it and see if we can't come up with something okay. better then. Yeah, you want to get on the show, right? In a sing-along. Simple as that at this point. You know that's what Tim wants. Give us a sing-along. Hello. Let's go. Yeah, we need a sing-along. You can't just steal something like you'll never walk alone. What do you want, like a Broadway sing-along? <laughs> yeah. Want like Les Mis that's every time they score? That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> All right, uh, speaking of baseball, and we weren't speaking of baseball, I just had a crappy segue. Um, we showed you... The M's and the Angels from Anaheim. Now, the Mariners came into the day in the third wild card. They were four up on Baltimore, uh, two back of Toronto. They're now on Sportsnet 1. Last time we checked, it was 5-1 in favor of the Mariners. Uh, this is Ty France with a pair on, and he makes it 8-1 with a three-run bomb. So. Seattle uh, taking on the lowly Angels and taking care of business as we speak. That game currently on Sportsnet 1. We've kind of got a cavalcade. Jays have the day off for those who don't know. I like that graphic. So we have a cavalcade of baseball. Oh, look at this guy. Trying to get out to that Abraham Toro foul ball. And eventually he will and gather it. The Canadian at the plate right now. And again, this is on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet now. It is an 8-1 ball game. A little later on, in fact, coming up in mere moments, Astros and Rays is on Sportsnet. Another foul ball. Tigers-Orioles, if you're trying to keep up with the Orioles game, is also on Sportsnet 1 following the Mariners and the Angels. And then later tonight, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, D-backs and the Dodgers are on Sportsnet 1. Got it good, and since you understood, here's a look at the American League wildcard and divisional standings. Uh, we're keeping an eye on everything, as we have basically for the last two weeks right here on Sportsnet and the Sportsnet family of channels. So we'll send it to the Astros and the Rays on Sportsnet. Rays entering play a half game behind the Jays in the mm -hmm. wildcard standings. Jays have the day off, so they could pull even. As for us, we'll continue over on Sportsnet 360. Rich Gannon is going to join us to break down week number two in the National Football League in absolute madness. So we're back in 60 on Sportsnet 360 and coming your way, Rays and Astros. Will Tampa end the day even with Toronto? You can find out.
on Sportsnet. Welcome back. Welcome back, friends. Be careful with that, McAuliffe. Welcome back, friends. What are you laughing at? I didn't actually swear, did I? I think I said welcome fact. You might, I mean, you might. Welcome fact, fact. <laughs> you might have to roll the tape back. F-A-C-T, you think it was Yeah, it was glue. close. I mean, immediate We'll laugh. have to go to the judges. It felt like it sold me out a little bit, but I'm okay with it because if I did, in fact, Say not fact, yeah, but something else. Uh, we we may get a call from the yeah. CRTC. Either way, it's hard to take in an entire week of football and have a life. So we here, Tim and friends, have sacrificed ours to watch it all and bring you the best of the best in Timmy's top five. I know, I know. Some heroes don't wear capes. Timmy's top five from the NFL this week. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback to hell with you, Uncle L. Three monumental comebacks on Sunday led the headlines. Cards come back from 20 down at the half to beat the Raiders. The Dolphins come back from 21 down in the fourth quarter to beat Lamar and the Ravens. And that's not even the craziest comeback. Yes, teams had lost 711 straight games when down 21 or more in the fourth quarter. But the Jets came back from 13 down with less than two minutes remaining to beat the Browns. Teams up by 13 or more with less than two minutes left had won 2,229 straight games. Until, of course, the Browns Number two in the top five, speaking of unreal stats, how about Kyler Murray running 84 yards to complete the craziest two-point conversion I've ever seen? And look at the length of this play. Murray no, to the come 10, on. to the five, and he's going to convert it. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Number three, more stats. Sure, Joe Burrow's 0-2, but he's also on pace to be sacked 111 times. The all-time record, 76. <sighs> Number four is our breakout star of the week, Sun God. That's right, Amon Ross St. Brown, brother of Equinemius, son of Mr. Universe. Oh, yeah, look at that curl. Well, it was Amon Ra who deadlifted the Lions to a victory in week two. Nine catches, two touchdowns to steal the headlines. But check out his last eight. The kid is real. No less than eight catches and a touchdown in seven of their last eight. Extrapolate that pace over a whole season. We've got 144 catches, 1,572 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Now it's Amon Ra with more juice than a jerry curl. And finally, number five is our celebration of the week. It goes to the Dolphins' Mike Gesicki busting out the gritty. Is that, wait, is that is that Gesicki or Steve Buscemi? Can't tell. The specs are kind of dirty. How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> All right, from Timmy's top five to our MVP, that's right, kids. It's time for a little Monday afternoon quarterback with our old friend, 2002 NFL MVP, Rich Gannon. Welcome back, Richard Joseph Gannon. It has been too long. Tim, I got to tell you, that's impressive. I'm digging the top five. Is that, is that a new weekly segment each and every week? I mean, there's a lot of production value that went into that. Oh, there is tons of production value. And shout out to Anthony Caminiti, who put it together in about three <laughs> hours. So I really appreciate him jamming it all together and spitting it out for your pleasure. So do you take 
issue with any of the top five, Mr. Gannon? Do you believe any of the top five mismanaged and or bang on? No, I love it. Look, you know, I, I think if you're an NFL coach and you don't come into the facility this morning and explain to your players what can happen when you have a 21-point lead or what can happen when you're behind by several scores late in the game. I think it was a great teaching tool for a lot of teams out there, not just the teams that lost or the teams that won in those situations. I mean, you feel awful, right? If you're the Raiders this morning, if you're the Ravens this morning, if you're the Browns, it's tough going to work. But I think you can learn from those mistakes. But you look at what the, the Dolphins did, in my opinion, was so impressive. I had some doubts about Tua Tungabailoa myself. Yeah. But four fourth-quarter touchdowns, he threw five touchdowns in the second half alone. I mean, he was flawless. And I just think that that was a real turning point in his career. You look at the, the tools that he has, Jalen yes. Waddell, Tyreek Hill, they combined for 22 catches, 342 yards, and four touchdowns. That's some tools in the toolbox, Tim, if you want to know what I'm talking about. The guy's got some tools. You mentioned Gusecki. That was an impressive comeback on the road for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, on the road adds to it as well. And, and just for Tua, I feel like, and listen, when they used to let me do play-by-play, -play, I used to say special players make special plays on special days. It looks like he's got some real special players on that team. And and it seemed like, and it's it's easy for someone to say that, but it's another thing to game plan to get the ball in their hands. They game plan to get the ball in their hands. They did. And look, you know, I, I mentioned a turning point in his career. There's a lot of critics out there, a lot of doubters about Tua Tunga Bailoa. And I, I just... You just watched his body language on on the sidelines and you know coming out after a big play. I, I think that team, those players and those coaches, got a renewed respect and enthusiasm for their starting quarterback. The thing about him, he's always been accurate. He's always been a pretty good decision maker, but he's never going to overpower you with his arm talent. But I thought yesterday, it's about as good as I've seen him throw the football. He played with a lot of confidence and poise on the road in a very difficult environment. Rich, I love the board that we just showed of the uh, top passers in the National Football League right now, just like we all thought. Tua, Carson Wentz, <laughs> and Joe Flacco, eh? Yeah, it's pretty amazing, you know. it's uh, How about Joe Flacco, the oh. former Delaware Blue Hand? He, yes, sir. And I think about that comeback. I mean, you know, you, you look at that situation, the Browns were up by 13 points. You know, with the minute 55, all they had to do was go down and the game's over. The, the Jets had no timeouts left. But when you look at that turn of events, I mean, that's a that's a lesson for all of us. But the Jets never gave up. And you talk about it, a monumental win for a team that's kind of, you know, hasn't won a game in September in a couple of years. That was an important win for Robert Sala and his program. And Joe Flacco's still getting it done. He put up some big numbers, four touchdowns. The difference this week, though, no interceptions against a pretty good Browns defense. Right. I'm glad you're here today uh, because you and I were high on Joe Burrow from jump. But what are your thoughts on Burrow after two games, two losses, and maybe more importantly, Rich, 13 sacks? Tim, we talk each and every season, each and every week about the importance of protection when it comes to putting together a passing game. If you go back to the loss in the Super Bowl, in the last three games, he's been sacked 20 times. Now think about that, 20 times. And, and the sack differential in those three games is a minus 15. That, that's hidden yardage. They're not protecting him. You know, if you go back to the start of last season, this is an interesting statistic. The start of last season, he's been sacked 83 times, including the postseason. The next closest quarterback is at 47. 
He's on pace. You mentioned the pace this year. It's it's incredible. And here's here's the problem. This team recognized they had an issue at the end of the, end of the season a year ago. They spent $71 million on four new starters along that offensive line. I don't care how good your talent is at the receiver position. If you can't protect your franchise quarterback, you're in big trouble. And the reason the, the, the Bengals are 0-2, they can't protect Joe Burrow. Could, could that be chemistry because of the four new guys in the O-line? Like, do you? I mean, the 0-2 stat is jaw-dropping. 9.5% of teams that start 0-2 since 1970 make the playoffs. Like, it, it is stacked against them. Do you expect the O-line to get better as the season goes along, maybe with some chemistry? I think so. I think the part of the problem is none of these guys play in the preseason anymore. Right. And so your preseason is really the first couple games of the season. I think communication has been an issue. I think the fact that there's not a lot of continuity there. You've got new guys playing with one another. Uh, you've got a quarterback that's been bounced around. I would just say this, Tim. You've got a great quarterback, and you and you, you hit him, you knock him down, you hurry him, you rush him. He becomes an average quarterback. And right now, Joe Burrow's an average quarterback. The Bengals got to figure out the protection. And they got Joe Mixon, and, and he's not really been a part of it either. You know, the running game hasn't gotten going. So they've got to be able to take some of the, the heat off the pass rush. You do that by running the ball better. You do it with a quick game. You do it with the screen game. But you've got to be able to help Joe Burrow sit in there and finally, maybe once again, trust the protection. All right, uh, let's switch over to the San Francisco 49ers. I guess we found out why they didn't let Jimmy G go. Well, you know, I always say, you know, we all, have, you and I both have insurance policies, right? We don't like to pay the premiums, but my goodness, if something bad happens, it's nice to reach into that drawer and grab that policy. And that's what the 49ers did. They figured out a way to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a good thing they did. Jim, Trey Lance went down yesterday. He's out for the season. Very similar injury to what Dak Prescott had two years ago. And now the 49ers, some people think the 49ers might be in a better situation with Jimmy G. I mean, he's a proven winner. He's taken this team to a Super Bowl. He played well in the postseason last year. They didn't miss a beat last uh, yesterday. And in fact, the team really rallied around Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I hope Trey Lance gets better soon. But uh, it's nice to have a veteran quarterback that can step in at a moment's notice and keep this train rolling right down the track. All right, I think we got time for one more. And I'm going to be honest. I, I thought that Mike Evans kind of sort of changed the game between the Saints and the Buccaneers by losing his hat a little bit. And after the game, he said he didn't expect to be suspended. Uh, lo and behold, today we find out he's been suspended for one game for his shot on uh, Lattimore. And not the first time that Lattimore and Evans have gone toe-to-toe. What would you make of all this? You know, for the first three and a half quarters, this game was dead even. I mean, yeah. you know, it was all about defense. Both offenses were struggling. And then I, I felt like, you know, I think Jameis Winston started the party with, with going back and playing like Jameis Winston once did, you know, throwing the picks and they had five turnovers, uh, you know, in the second half. So you're not going to beat Brady when you do that. But I just thought Mike Evans, you've got to, you've got to do better than this. I mean, they've got some history together. These two players, Lattimore really was getting the best of them in the game, but now you lose a good player. Now, the, the receivers are already banged up. Chris Godwin didn't play. Now Brady's going to be without Mike Evans next week. I mean, I always say, Tim, when you put your own self-interest ahead of those of the team, then you put yourself and your team at risk. And that's exactly what Mike Evans did yesterday against the Saints. Well, don't worry. It's not a big game next week. Oh, hold on a second. It's the Packers coming to town. Did, <laughs> did Aaron Rodgers give us the relax, or did the second half change your opinion on what Rodgers did against the Bears? 
you know, it's almost like a night off for him because Aaron Jones and the running backs were, yeah. were, were playing so well. They, I, I was so impressed with the way they ran the ball. I mean, when you have that going, you got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, it's it makes life a whole lot easier. But look, make no mistake about it. This is very similar to what happened last year. You remember the Packers went down to Jacksonville and got their noses bloodied by the Saints last year, and then went off to win the division. And of course, Aaron Rodgers won his fourth MVP award. I, I think what happened last week was was really, uh, you know, similar to what happened last year. A, a big overreaction. Trust me, the Packers are a really good team, and I think the favorite to win the NFC North. Uh, I'm not going to lie here either. It feels like home when Rich Gannon joins us on a Monday. <laughs> really appreciate you doing this. Great catching up with you, and hopefully we can do it again soon, my friend. Enjoy the games tonight, brother. Yeah, you too. There is uh, Rich Gannon, double dip here on Monday night. Titans and the Bills from Highmark Stadium. We'll get you some information on that coming up. Vikings-Eagles, that takes place in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial. We'll wrap things up with last call next right here on Tim and Friends. Jesse Rubinoff takes the reins as we get you moving here on Sportsnet 360. Time now, friends, for our Monday Tip of the Cap, which goes to a pair of schools in Buffalo who let their students out early today to accommodate for the Bills Monday Nighter. Students at Orchard Park and Frontier Central were given half days today. Now, both schools located near Highmark Stadium. The decision was made mainly due to heavy traffic expected in the area or so they could break tables. Whatever reason, Bills quarterback Josh Allen, a fan of the decision. It's going to be crazy. I mean, half day at school. Uh, that's how you create some Bills fans right there. You know, you get out of school. I mean, man, they, I hope they love the Bills. Um, so we'll, we'll need everybody here and, and screaming as loud as they can. Oh, they'll be there. They will be there as we hit last call with Jesse Rubinoff. Uh, that is going to be a scene tonight. In fact. In Buffalo. It already is a scene. I Orchard Park. Guarantee. Oh, you've got video? We got video. Oh, I, I was going to say I guarantee it. There we go. Oh. Yeah. Bill's the Mafia. There's the table. Didn't Any take very kids? long. What time is it? This looks like a wee guy. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. And. From the taillight. RKO? Do Don't not, try yeah, that. Oh, yeah, man. definitely not. Uh, they're counting and. Oh, he missed the oh, table. Come on, you can't overshoot the table. You missed the table. Seems okay though. Someone's like, calling Salino and Barnes. There's more. There's ketchup. I don't. Mustard. The, That's Pinto Ron. That's Pinto Ron. Oh my goodness. Why would you be the guy that what is going allows on ketchup and mustard to be squirted at you for the fun of a, I guess, so that people would know the name Pinto Ron. And so people talk about you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. People talk about you. Look at all the phones out. Uh, kickoff. We need kickoff now, says Jeff Russo. Like. They're ready to go. You know, uh, I once... You got any more here? Yeah, just one more. Game Dray tradition is taken. This is, this is Pinto Oh, more Ron Pinto again. Ron. Yeah, just... This is... This is an interesting way to just go about... I don't, I, I don't, go, I don't even know what he's doing. I don't know. There's nothing to say, really. Why would you subject yourself to this? We, we've gone through it a I little know, bit I know, but it just still doesn't make sense. Uh, I once went to... Uh, it doesn't make sense because it's a, it's a primetime game in Buffalo. I once went to Jets. That is disgusting. Jets. That is disgusting. Sorry, I'm looking at it again. Right. I'm not looking at the odds. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking at Mitchell Rod. I got you. <laughs> um, I once went to a game 
primetime yeah. in Buffalo, Sunday nighter, uh, between the Jets and the Bills. And it was like, chaos is not the word to describe what was going on there because the tailgate had turned. And Sunday's even worse than Monday because most people have Sunday off. Mm -hmm. So they tailgated the entire day. I had never seen as many intoxicated people as I saw that Sunday night. And by the end of the game, it wasn't really close. People were standing on the edge of the stadium and urinating on people leaving right. the stadium. That's, that, that's how bad it got in Buffalo. I hope it doesn't get that bad tonight, maybe because the team's better than it was when I went to see it, that you'll get more real fans. But that was the level of intoxication. People urinating off the top of the stadium and waiting for people to leave. So as I'm leaving, it was out of hand. I was tired, I worked a full day at the Score Television Network with Chad Walker. As we were leaving, one of the ushers said, careful. And I, we were like, what? And he goes, look up, but don't look up too long. And we're like, what are you talking about? And he goes, people are pissing off the top of the stadium. So run. And so literally, we had to sprint out so that we wouldn't get hit with urine. I'd be pissed. <laughs> yes. There you go. Bears yeah. Packers. Now Bears Packers beat the Bears 27-10 on Sunday night football last night. It was the 205th meeting between the NFL's oldest rivals and after the game Bears quarterback Justin Fields was asked if losing to the Packers hurts more because of the rivalry and how badly the fans want to win. I mean, it, it hurts more in the locker room than the Bears fans, I mean, cuz at the end of the day they're not putting in any work. Um, I see the guys in the locker room every day. I see how much work they put in. So uh, just coming out with a disappointing loss like this, um, you know, it hurts. But, uh, you know, we just got to respond. Wow. Oh, wow, wow. Some Bears fans were upset by that clip. Should they be? The players and, and athletes and teams need to be very careful about, like, it seems like the ba real talk fans shouldn't be upset, but when you pay 200 bucks for a ticket, when you pay 150 bucks for a jersey, when you put, you are putting in work, you're putting in your hard-earned money to cheer for a team that will probably be your team well before Fields or any other Bear currently on the roster was there, and well after they're gone. Like, I understand why Fields is saying something like that. They're sacrificing their body, they get compensated to do it, they're probably not doing it for the money and all they see is the work that they put in, the yeah. sacrifice that they put in. But the fans are going to be there long after they're gone and they spend their hard-earned money to go watch these guys play. I think, I think sports franchises and athletes need to be very cognizant of that moving forward. Yeah. Because the, 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 about, like the, the scales of balance here are kind of being tipped. And the fans are starting to get a wee bit pissed off when they hear that kind of stuff. I think he got uh, radioed a little bit on that one. I, yeah. the, the point he was trying to make is that the players care when they lose, right? Correct. And he just went about explaining but you be, that. But you got to be very careful yes. about the way you talk about fans in this current day and age because of how much money it costs yes. to be a fan, especially one that shows up in the building. Yes, or shows up at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon like Buffalo Bills fans in their son. Uh, the Las Vegas Aces beat the Connecticut Sun in Game 4 of the WNBA Finals on Sunday. Aces guard Chelsea Gray was named Finals MVP while Asia Wilson becomes just the second WNBA player to win League MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and a championship in the same season. And Becky Hammond is the first rookie coach in league history 
to win a championship, who deserves the most credit for the Aces' success? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, Kelsey and Chelsea were really good. Uh, Asia Wilson is turning into a superstar. We talked about that before. MVP this year, Defensive Player of the Year, first team all WNBA performer, now has two MVP titles, an Olympic gold, the national championship. Um, Back she's, what, up. Yeah. 26 years old? Like, it's unbelievable. Um, Mark Davis being there on the road instead of at home for a Raiders game, little tip of the cap there. Um, but Becky Hammond in her first year winning a title, very interesting. Now Davis paid a million dollar, reportedly a million dollars a year to get her to leave the NBA and become a head coach in Highest the WNBA. WNBA coach, right? It looks like uh, maybe Becky might be going back to the NBA as a head coach because winning one in her first year is really, really impressive. No doubt about that. Uh, okay, the FIBA Women's World Cup begins Wednesday in Australia. Canada opens against Serbia. Today they released their roster and it includes Kia Nurse, who hasn't played a competitive hey. game since tearing her ACL in last year's WNBA playoffs. Canada was eliminated in the quarterfinals at the last World Cup in 2018 and failed to make it out of the group stage at last summer's Olympics in Tokyo. So what would you consider a good result? Well, that is a wonderful year? question, Jesse Rubinoff, considering that going into those Olympics, Canada was ranked the number four team in the world. That was an extreme disappointment not getting out of the group stage. Uh, I think they've kind of shuffled the deck. They've tried to make some changes and at least the group stage, getting out of the group stage, that's the, that's the very least. I, I think that this team is capable of a quarter or a semifinal uh, appearance. So, I mean, I don't know how healthy Kia uh, Nurse is going into this, mm -hmm. but if she's fully healthy and gets a few games under her belt, I think this team could live up to that uh, that fourth ranking. I got one more quick for you. Cam Smith won his first live golf event this weekend in Chicago, holding off Dustin Johnson in the final round to claim the $4 million prize. But the moment everyone was talking about was Bryson DeChambeau running into a rope. Uh, did you feel bad for Bryson when you saw this happen? It's not wrong to say no, right? Like, you're okay with that. I know the answer is supposed to be, yeah, we feel bad for him, but it's a rope. It's Bryson DeChambeau. It couldn't have hurt that much. Like, just wait until the rope is a little bit higher or bend down a little bit more. Right? It's still weird to see guys in shorts. Does it for us, a reminder. Felt sorry for Danny Willett. That's who I felt sorry yeah, for. Yeah, that was brutal. Uh, Astros raise underway, a bunch of baseball, and Monday Night Raw.